Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. This is an election year. Will Donald Trump be re-elected? What is going on with the Democrats? And has America gone even more crazy? We'll be discussing all of these things and more, more than once a week, because we don't feel you have enough Americano in your life. And I have a special offer for Americano listeners. If you want to subscribe to the Spectator's US edition, which is brilliant, by the way, I edit it, you can go to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe and take advantage of our special Americano offer. If you insert the code Americano in capital letters like Donald Trump on Twitter, you will get 5% off. Please do so. I'm joined today by Kate Andrews, who is economics correspondent for The Spectator. And we're going to be asking, is the coronavirus the black swan event that could derail the Trump presidency? Now, Kate, the reason we're talking about this is that Ross Clark wrote an excellent piece on the coronavirus on Wednesday. He suggested that um, it could cause a sort of black swan event in American politics. But let's first talk about the economics. Do you think that corona is causing a serious disruption in the American economy? It could be. It's totally natural and important for the public to be looking to public health advice right now when it comes to the coronavirus. Obviously, that is their main concern. But the economic consequences of it could also have a real human impact. As fewer flights take off, as people stop traveling, as it's harder to get around one's own country, let alone to go to another, as there's strains on supply chains, as as factories can't produce what they were before, not getting parts from around the world and what they need, you know, that can have a real economic and, and human cost as well, because if GDP takes a hit, if the stock stock market continues to tumble and it's down $5 trillion now, it's the worst week it has since the financial crisis in 2008, there'll be serious repercussions. And of course, Donald Trump's real selling point going into this next election is the economy. It's been great. 60% of Americans say they feel better off than they were even a year ago. You know, mm. things have been going up. Arguably, if Trump kept his mouth shut and just let the economy do its thing, he could be looking to a landslide. Yes. Uh, he makes his life harder often. But coronavirus can make that even harder. Well, he he let slip that he was a bit spooked because he started tweeting about how the markets were doing great despite corona, which was clearly not true for a bit. And then he organised this press conference where he announced, you know, that we're getting a firm grip on it and going to put Mike Pence in charge of it. The second most powerful man in America is now going to be in charge of the corona effort or controlling corona effort. Do you think Americans will be reassured by Pence, the steady hand? There's been some concern about Mike Pence's previous comments on, say, smoking and other health issues. HIV, he's had some quite eccentric. Very eccentric, not quite up to scratch, one might say, in terms of um, where you'd want someone to be dealing with a potential pandemic. But that being said, signaling that, as you say, the second most powerful person in the country, theoretically, is going to be overseeing this would imply that they're taking it seriously. They're looking at it 24 hours a day and they don't want to let anything slip. But of course, the way that this is impacting China, the way it's now starting to impact Europe, means that even if the U.S. does keep it under control, and even if from the health perspective, the U.S. stays okay, economically, the knock-on effect from the rest of the world could still really badly hurt the U.S. economy in a way that could badly hurt Trump's election prospects. As well as the obvious health concerns again, but it speeds up Trump's argument in a way about China, doesn't it? Because 
I mean, there's a lot of concern about America running out of drugs or various essentials if there is a sort of global slowdown in trade as a result of the coronavirus, which speaks to the message that Trump's been selling all along, which is economic nationalism. I think it kind of speaks to it, but from a different perspective that the president hasn't really embraced yet. So Trump's economic nationalism has been rooted in the sense that China is unfair economically. It's taking what America should have, and that's why you need to stop it. This is a bit of a different argument. It's saying, you know, companies have really heavily invested in China, despite serious issues with the government, with its record on human rights and the rest. And there have been major criticisms of China that perhaps they could have gotten this under control much better in the beginning had they been more honest with the world about coronavirus and what was happening. And perhaps this would make investors and the rest think twice about what happens when you pour money and investment into regions that you can't trust in the same way that, say, you could trust the US or UK government. I think that's a slightly more liberal argument. It's also about diversifying where your investments are. That doesn't mean they all have to be back in the US, but maybe they shouldn't all be in China. I mean, at the moment, they're not. There is lots of diversification, but maybe there should be more. Of course, if things do go sour, we're not totally sure they will yet. If things were to go sour, you could see Trump trying to spin this as, as you say, Freddie, you know, this has been my argument all along. We need to get out of these regions completely. Mm. But, you know, the economic consequence of that of, you know, shutting down, frankly, the cheap goods that come in and Mm. the cheap parts that come in because we're so heavily invested in China would also be very damaging. And I mean, at the moment, it seems to be a stock market correction that a lot of people are saying was overdue anyway, and that Corona could just be the trigger of an equity slowdown. Is Corona just triggering a recession that was inevitable? Well, a recession at some point would come. Inevitable in that sense, yes. Whether it had to come this year, you know, economists have been trying to predict the next recession for quite some time. Nobody wants to say for sure when that's going to happen. But there are always the possibility that events like this can trigger something that that nobody could have predicted without the new circumstance in place. And governments always have to be prepared for that. I think, you know, there is going to probably start being some criticism as to uh, what here in the UK, for example, has been put aside to Mm. deal with emergencies like this. There have been complaints around flooding here in the UK, for example. There weren't enough resources. Well, what about resources for something that, as serious as the floods are, are affecting fewer people than coronavirus is estimated in its worst case scenario to affect. So yeah, I mean, you can't totally prepare for the economic downturn, but you can always have things in place that can mitigate the consequences of it. If Donald Trump isn't able to mitigate the consequences, if the economy were to to take a turn from the worst, there really would be nobody else to blame, even if it's not totally fair, even Mm. if it's circumstances out of his control. People always blame the person in charge. But do you think there's enough goodwill towards Trump and the economy to keep him going? I mean, if it's just a stock market correction, the impact on the average American might not happen for another year. That's true. And, you know, he would have lots of fiscal tools at his disposal, many of which I would be cautious of, to try to keep the economy afloat. So, yeah, he might just be able to get to November. Isn't the danger, though, he's already fired quite a lot of the the fiscal tools in the last three years, even though there's a booming economy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's racked up the deficit to enormous proportions. Mm. And, you know, he used a lot of that goodwill on tax cuts. And I'd argue, you know, if you're going to spend really irresponsibly, do it on tax cuts, not on, you know, investing in different quangos. But it's still hugely problematic in the the long term. Absolutely. So you're saying you're saying the, the American economy has been on steroids? 
effectively for, yeah, for the last four years on, and might be coming to a big crash. It now. is. And, and there are better steroids to put economies on and worse ones. But you know, Trump and the Republican Party, despite talking big previously on things like the deficit and things like America's outrageous debt, have not done anything to address these issues. So, you know, and, and there are issues in the UK as well. If a recession were to come, it is not obvious that our economies are ready to deal with the backlash of that. We've already had, in theory anyway, lots of austerity. You know, the economy is not necessarily in a great place to have this happen now. I would say again, however, you know, this it's not looking good. The stock market is seriously down. Supply chains are feeling strained. But we still really don't know where this is going to go. In the same way that we are not sure how coronavirus spreads, we're still not sure of all the implications of this particular strain of disease. We still don't really know how this is going to turn out, if it is going to end up being a blimp or if it's going to be much more severe. If corona is the great threat to Trump's presidency, the great, his great advantage is the seeming hopelessness of the Democrats. <laughs> and this Saturday, we will have South Carolina primary, which it looks like Joe Biden is going to win. In fact, the recent polls show him, in, him increasing his lead, which is almost, in a way, the worst thing that can happen for the Democrats, because that revives Biden, but no one really thinks that he's got enough momentum to do anything else other than win South Carolina. It's not good news for the primaries. It's not good news for Bernie Sanders, who has been leading the pack so far, because if he starts to lose a few, his real competitors like Elizabeth Warren, who is also to the left, are just going to think that this is more reason to stay in, to keep fighting him. Maybe I've got a shot. The longer this goes on for the Democrats as well, the longer they tear each other apart. Mm. And political parties have a very bad habit of doing this, basically coming up with all of the attacks that their actual opponent, the other political party, will end up using when we get closer to November. So yeah, I do think the hopelessness of the Democrats so far will be enthusing Donald Trump. But of course, if the economy tanks, and, and, and Trump having made so much of the economy, it will give people like Bernie Sanders in particular, the opportunity to say, well, you know, this is why we need something completely new, a new vision. This is why we need socialism, even though you know, the economy tanking will really have nothing to do with particular free market policies that the president brought in. Yes. But I mean, a devastating health pandemic could make the offer of Medicare for all seem attractive, which is Bernie Sanders' big, I mean, they all say it now, the Democrats pretty much, but but Sanders is the the originator of Medicare for all as, as as a policy platform, right? It could. It would depend on how the debate goes. You could see a scenario where people say, this is why we need universal health care immediately. And not just universal health care. Most of the developed world has universal health care. This is why we need a severely interventionist, top-down approach that Bernie Sanders brings to the table. You could also see people saying, this is not the time to overthrow health care. This is not the time for the majority of people who are insured to be put on something brand new that is not tried and tested. People like their doctor. That was one of the major issues that Obama had bringing in Obamacare. He promised if you liked your doctor, you could keep your doctor. Turned out not to be the case. So if people think for even a moment that their routines and the people that they trust in, in, in the healthcare sector is going to change, you could see there being pushback there too. I mean, if coronavirus were to get really, really bad, you would theoretically be looking at different sides of the argument in terms of how a president would handle almost a wartime crisis. Mm. And, you know, that is a totally different kettle of fish as well. I think Donald Trump would probably do well in that scenario. Again, these are major hypotheticals. We're not yes. there yet. We're dealing with unknown, unknown, unknown. Oh my gosh, the levels are extreme. But, but I think to go even further into unknown, unknown, unknown let's say we have a, a health pandemic across America. 
perhaps Michael Bloomberg emerges as the guy who has zero personality, but you know he's good at sorting stuff out. That seems to be his pitch at the moment. It's like, you know, don't judge me on the debate performances, but I've done a lot of things successfully. Yeah, don't judge me on what I say, I guess, on debate stages, judge me on what I've done. Yes. But arguably, this is Trump's selling point as well, right? I mean, he he was always arguing, you know, I'm not a politician, judge me on my record, and I'm a billionaire, and I built all these things and all bills for America, too. Yes. Americans do respond well to that, yeah. But the question, of course, will be, can he appeal to the specific states that he needs to, Mm. to clinch the nomination? Because, of course, we're not in the general election phase yet. They have to appeal to very specific concerns in specific regions as they try to win the nomination. So perhaps if this were already with, you know, all of the American people, the independents included, Michael Bloomberg would do quite well. But I still think um, trying to target specifically that the left wing of the Democratic Party may yeah. still prove quite difficult. Well, also, I mean, if, if there is a sort of really global scare, the jolliness of Trump, the sort of tweeting of Trump starts to not just be an irritant on people, it starts to really get, make them angry. I mean, yesterday, Bloomberg I thought, had quite a smart response to Trump on Twitter. Trump was teasing him about his height again. And Bloomberg said, really, we've got a serious global pandemic emerging, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that that's quite an effective tool for someone someone as serious as Bloomberg. Yeah, I think so. People can have a bit more fun and can be a bit more relaxed when the economy's good and everyone's happy. And all of a sudden, when things start to take a turn from the worse, you want an adult in the room. Mm. And while a lot of people like that Trump, you know, in their words, tells it like it is and the rest of it, we don't really use the word adult when it comes to Donald Trump. He's not exactly the diplomat in the room. Now, that's why many people like him, but that's just not his selling point. So I think you're totally right. You know, if he's still tweeting out, so sad, and, you know, nicknames for his political opponents when there may actually be a death toll in America, that Mm. is not going to go down well. I was struck by the most recent labor debate in which the three candidates on the stage all made very clear that they did not want to politicize coronavirus. This is the Labour Party in London. Yes, yes, the Labour Party here in the UK. All three candidates, I mean, very left wing compared to American politicians, still said they would work with Boris Johnson, the conservative prime minister, on the coronavirus because this was bigger than politics. And if Trump didn't adopt the same attitude, I think he could see some very serious backlash. Well, we shall wait and see. And as you say, too many unknowns at the moment to be sure about anything. Thanks, Thanks, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 